And I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, 3131. And look at all the stuff that we got going on in the year 2019. Hey, it's a new year. Oh, my God. It's a new year. A new, uh, honestly, I have to say, a new era in professional wrestling. New we talked begun. About, we talked about a new era in WWE where things change as far as uh you know the the McMahons are here and they're deciding that we're going to make things better but on the outside we got all elite wrestling. We've got NXT to the point that we have NXT UK takeovers and my god let us not forget the fact that you and I, we fucking stayed up until 6.30 in the goddamn morning watching late. Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, a lot has happened in the last couple weeks that I, some of it, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of different things converging and going on uh, pretty much coming from every single direction. It's pretty unbelievable. Let's go, let's go back a little bit because we, you know, we had full intentions after staying up from Thursday night into Friday morning, we both took the days off of work, and and we were like, "All right, we can just hang out whenever." We talked about it ahead of time. We said, "Hey, let's let's do something on Friday." I tell you what, I probably went to bed at seven o'clock. I slept like a rock until noon, which made me feel good, and I'd say from like one thirty to four i felt like a human yeah i felt good during the day midday noonish when did you drop off uh i like three ish i would say three or four and then and then yeah i, I was freaking toast after mm-hmm. that um but all that being said that was a fun wrestle kingdom that was great it was a great show it was great in a way that was like you don't you you don't have the uh you don't have the big the big match the Okada versus Omega the thing that like changes everything but everything that we saw was so solid and like it was all great to very great yeah everything on the show was really really great uh and I also yeah there wasn't there weren't there wasn't anything coming in even I don't think that was uh, a match that we thought was gonna dominate or like change the world. We weren't we weren't looking at it and thinking like there's gonna be a match that happens here that's gonna change the way that we think of professional wrestling. Right, it's like right. that's already been done. The that gold happened earlier has been set. Um, but that was such a solid card and it's like looking at the wrestle kingdom card coming into things it really kind of i think was emblematic of of the fact that new japan is at a point where it's nine matches and they're all something that everybody who's watching it is excited about it's not like you go in to watch uh jericho and omega and then you watch the main event it's not like you're there to watch omega okada it's just like 
front to bottom this is such a stacked card yeah i think like going watching it live and watching through each match the next match would be introduced and i think all of us were like oh yeah i'm so stoked for this match uh it was it was a blast going through all of it and the other thing i think that made it really interesting was that there were while there weren't any matches that were particularly like mind-blowing going in there was a cohesion throughout the card that i thought was really interesting watching there was a cohesion narratively that was you know almost meta narrative watching the elite lose every match was building a storyline throughout that show and it made sense through and through and then you get to that main event and it's you know mildly mildly disconnected from the rest of the things that have happened but i think there's like a will they won't they moment going on there where we're like this this match in when it's compressed and in itself is a new guard versus old guard situation. But we've also have to factor in by the end of the night, we have to factor in that all of Kenny's teammates and coworkers and friends and potential like future business partners have all lost. Yeah. And I think that if it is, I guess, unfortunate in terms of purely wrestling storyline, the fact that, Kenny Omega has been chasing this belt for so long, went through, you know, the feud to end all feuds to get it. And now he's leaving. So we don't really get to experience the title reign. Um, And I know the title reign, you know, going into Wrestle Kingdom wasn't all that great. I think everybody was kind of down on it, maybe wondering if it was going to pick up and, you know, it's not going to pick up because now he's leaving. Right. Um, but I think the story of Tanahashi, you know, coming back, taking it back for New Japan and really leading what is now a roster that is not just a bunch of white people in New Japan that are getting everybody to flock to it. It's like, now we're here. Now we're invested. And let's put it back to the guy who carried it up until that point. Yeah, and that's, I think, a wild move that happened because the Bullet Club brought a lot of people like us into Japanese wrestling, a lot of like Western fans. And I think we all have a respect for Tanahashi, but none of us or the vast majority of us weren't watching during his like solid years. We saw that Okada and Tanahashi feud, uh, but we didn't really see anything before that made him. He was always the ace. He was the John Cena of New Japan when we started watching. I mean, you know, look back to the first Wrestle Kingdom that we watched, and this isn't to say that everybody's experience is ours, but I feel like there's, uh, you know, it, it's representative that you and I watched uh, Nakamura, AJ Styles, we heard that Ishii and Shibata was incredible. And then I remember you saying like, oh, you should watch uh, Okada and Tanahashi. Like, that's the main event. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it. You sure, know? I right. was just like, I was like, I, f- I feel like, I feel like I just did a lot of work 
like doing yeah. this. I put a lot of effort in mm-hmm. find these matches mm-hmm. to find and and I mean like previously it did take more work, right? It took like torrenting effort or it took right. you know yeah. you had to watching hunt these things. Daily motion and yeah. shit. Um but yeah, you know, the Bullet Club goes out on their back. I think that I I really love the fact that Cody put over Juice the way that he did. Juice hits that finisher for a second time. Pat Creed's like, I don't like that cover, you know. Oh, it was no aggressive. Le- and it's like, yeah, that's how it should be. He's fucking out of here. Yeah, he lost. Fucking send him packing. Um, it was it it took a little bit of time for me. I and I think the room that we were watching it in, we were all kind of worried about Coda, and I think the couple matches that followed suffered because we're just like, oh man. Our, our dude bad. just took a shot, mm-hmm. and he's all right, right? Concussion. He's, he's fine. okay. He's fine. He's. It's sometimes you watch this stuff and you're like, uh, it's, and the same thing happens with the uh, with NXT UK, which we experienced yesterday, of Pete Dunne and and uh, and John Coffey. Uh, I know it's not John Coffey. That's the hockey guy. Yeah. No, that's Paul Coffey. Oh, Paul Coffey. John Coffey is Michael Clark Duncan's character in The Green Mile. Oh. Yeah. Coffee balls. Only it's not spelled the same. Like the drink, but not spelled the same. Is yeah. his name spelled like the coffee that a last name people have last names of? With yeah, a with y? the Y. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when was the last time you watched that movie? I watched it recently because I tried to go through the Hanks uh, filmography. That movie kind of sucks. It's okay. Yeah, it's long. It's it, it, there's that like mid, late nineties to, uh, like late aughts. There's the late nineties, the late aughts era of Oscar bait films that are just not very good. Right. Things like The Beautiful Mind and oh, I don't know, even I like couldn't... Gladiator. All these movies that are in this era that are just like prestige films but not quite it's wild because you kind of look back at like uh like the historical epics of like the charlton heston days and think like oh that was like that was a good movie back then yeah um i guess it's interesting too to you know to to look at it and it's like okay here's a movie that's like really trying hard to be profound and hits on like kind of such a weird like surface level where it's like it's deep but it's also not it's what people consider to be deep and if you think about life and you know for more than five minutes at a time you're just like (laughs) yo fuck you and fuck your movie yeah like you everybody should be clearly they're not but everybody should be thinking on this level this this movie is not saying anything revelatory in any way but shout out to Michael Clark Duncan, freaking star of WrestleMania 15. He's having the time of his life. What did he do in 15? He's on ringside. Is he? Yeah. You know that guy that's going fucking crazy Michael in the Clark front Duncan's row? Michael Clark just there having fun? That's Michael Clark Duncan having the most no fun. no idea. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan helped me out in a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game recently, and I was, I was really thankful for that. Someone was like, "Let's play." You know, I got a coworker that's really good at at fucking passing time. Sure, she's like, "You want to play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon?" That's a good move. I was like, "Fucking yeah, I do." That game is so fun. Yeah. So Buscemi was in Armageddon with Michael Clark Duncan. 
Michael Clark Duncan was in. Wait, it was, you were doing Buscemi too? It wasn't. It wasn't Buscemi, but it was. I forget who the original was. Okay. But I went Buscemi to Michael Clark Duncan, and then I think I went uh, to Hanks, and then ended up. Once you had Hanks, you're probably good. Right. Right. The key. The key is ensembles. Best thing you can do in that game, find you find ensemble. a movie with a mm-hmm. lot of people. So it's like, all right, Kevin Bacon was in JFK. Everybody was in JFK. Sure. And Kevin Bacon was also in uh, Apollo 13. Apollo 13 was what I was thinking, yeah. Tom Hanks. Um, but yeah, watching Pete Dunne and, and Coffee freaking try to do that high spot and what then fall, that? taking tough falls, uh, the first one. But they both looked a little scary, a little rough. I mean, like they were bailing on those. You know, it's interesting thinking about the idea that like we are watching people compete at such a high level that they're not doing things that are, you know, safe in the way that you can be assured that this is going to work, right? right? So seeing them try to do a very you know complicated move from a very precarious space and they fall they fall one time and it's like okay figure it out from there like we're all we're all still here but i don't i can't think of a time when i've seen the second one happen and yeah because the the air just completely deflated out of the out of the match yeah and it had been a match It, it, it reminded me a lot of um that Sasuke Joey Janela match that we saw at yeah. Joey Janela Spring Break, and yeah. they're trying to do that garbage can spot. Mm-hmm. He was up on on the top rope and trying to do a flip off of the top rope outside into the crowd with a garbage can on his head, and he couldn't figure it out. And he tried like three times, and it just wasn't working. And that this spot, this this top rope spot, was reminding me of that, where it's just like, oh no, you guys are trying. We're just watching you try now, and that is totally changed and killed any of the momentum that this match had though not enough to kill a crowd for the appearance of walter oh my god it was so cool walter came out so awesome and it was great that he had his is that's like his music that he's had for a long time it's gotta be some just like old german something yeah uh that was great and the you know i loved that stare down just being like we both fight. No disrespect here, but his like kind of standing up straight, looking at Pete Dunn, Pete Dunn looking back, and the respect that goes into, you know, I'm not here to hit you, but slowly looking down at that title, looking back up, makes a slow exit just to be sure that there's no, you know, no funny no business. Funny business here. And here we go. Yeah, I, you t- you texted our group thread today asking whether this was going to be a NXT UK thing or NXT thing or where Walter is sitting in the WWE universe. And I think the rumors were that it was going to be a UK thing. And I, I mean, I personally really love that idea that that's what's happening here. Him coming out at the end of this pay-per-view, this first, this is, a, you know, a new pay-per-view for this new brand. And I think him coming out, shows a ton of confidence in this and that this this has momentum now yeah it's like you kind of you want to watch you want to see walter go into the nxt that we know because i mean like fucking think about watching him work with 
Alistair Black, watching him work with Ciampa. But then you think like, oh no, he stays in the UK and all of a sudden you got a fucking brand. Yeah, now we have to watch the UK shows. And and this roster, I mean, it was having, I had no like, I guess I didn't feel like I was going in with like prior knowledge to, you know, who was doing what and sure. all of this. But then it's just like, oh, there's Mastiff, there's Devlin. There's fucking Tony Storm. Like, I, this is this is a fucking lineup. Yeah, there's their champs, their stars are all people we know. I mean, yeah, I've been watching a scattered amount of those shows. Similarly, like how I kind of watch the weekly NXT shows, right? Where it, if it's on when you turn on the network and you don't have anything you're specifically looking for, it's like for sure I'll watch that. I'll watch it when I take a nap on a Saturday afternoon. Fucking right. It's perfect for that. Uh-huh. You kind of absorb storylines by os- osmosis. But yeah, I think we've seen all of all of the people. In, I all the people in those main matches were people we've seen before, whether it was in the UK tournament or uh, in like cruiserweight tournaments or NXT proper. We've seen all these people before, and. I'm sure there's an undercard of folks that we don't know that we're going to learn to know soon enough. But like it's this. Yeah. Like you said, they've built a brand at this point. This is a a, a wrestling federation. Yeah. It's fucking it's amazing to think like, you know, it's like watching NXT build up the way that they did. And to the point now where it's just like it's such a juggernaut. It's got such great mechanics to it. And really, at this point, it's, like, so firmly established. Like, nobody's left in a long time, right? Yeah. And you kind of you kind of think when shit like that happens, like, oh, my God, it's just unbelievable, like, the confluence of, of events and, you know, how incredible it was to have Finn come in and, like, make this brand better. Sami Zayn was there to make it better. Owens and Nakamura. And... Now it's just like, oh, and here it is. It's good. It's running great. And it's amazing, I guess, to think about the fact that that's all so deliberate and possible to recreate. Yeah, they they have an outline for creating an indie company now, an indie wrestling organization. They know how to do it. And they did it really well in one space. And I think it's also an interesting thing that, like, there, there are slight tweaks, right, for the UK shows. Those dudes are, like, that, I think that first match was such a thing of beauty, that tag team match uh, between, uh, who's that, what's the other guy that was with uh, Zach Gibson? Something Drake, James Drake? Yeah. I don't know him. Sure. Uh, but that match between them and Mustache Mountain was, like, I think so stellar. And I think it was also, those dudes were just being as British as possible. They're doing the British Bulldogs thing. Yeah. They do the fucking power slam and the diving headbutt. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were just so many, like, I I love how Tyler Bate is getting, like, the muscle gut, that, like, big man, that burly man right. belly. Right. That's just, like, that's British as fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. This, they're being British and they're injecting this, like, old tradition of of England wrestling into this new british brand and to, like those crowds too just the way that they chant the fucking the fact that they got like a sing along chant to say are you watching vince like f- 
fuck. It's so good. Um, Okay, well, like, on that point, though, what makes... Because we love British crowds, right? I think in general. Yeah. They love being... They love injecting themselves. Like, they do the thing that we say we don't like, right? Those fans want to be the stars of the show. They make themselves the stars of the show. Why are we cool with that? Why is that fun and exciting and energizing when in America when crowds are putting chants together probably because we are not used to it fully and we haven't seen them do something lame yet yeah that's probably true uh you know maybe neither of those things end up happening but feel like the first time that it does happen we're gonna be like oh fuck you Mm -hmm. um just don't just don't give them access to a clock that's all that's all i ask uh all elite wrestling had fucking the the pep rally of of the century. It's so fun. Freaking, it it's wild to see that they are coming at this with such. Uh, it's like so much is in place. There are a lot of intentions, just with the idea that everybody's going to be making the same amount of money. Yeah, as far as genders go like that's holy so bonkers fuck. and you got to think like okay when wcw started giving out guaranteed money that changed the entire scope yeah and the, the, you know wwf had no choice but to follow suit because once somebody's able to get it somewhere they fucking got to be able to get it here if you want them to stay. The idea that these people are doing this and you have people like Charlotte, people like Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, all have now this negotiating power that is incredible. Yeah, and I mean, adding health insurance on top of that. Holy fuck! That, I mean, I think this is going to. Ch- this is some. This has been a, a conversation topic for a long time, right? Talking about unionization and treating wrestlers as actual employees of a company rather than independent contractors. Obviously, WWE is never going to do that uh, unprompted, but now it seems like maybe that's going to have to happen. I mean, you got to think so, right? And like, I mean, fuck! All it took was. A lot of money being poured in WCW to make it a thing. And they've got a lot of fucking money coming in. A lot of money. These people got like a million dollars. They got like at least a million dollars. Dude, it's fucked up. I wonder, I mean, so the rumors are that it's like a high high eight-figure TV deal, right? There's Mm -hmm. a Turner deal somewhere in the works. They're gonna pay AEW something like eighty or ninety million bucks for two or three years, and I mean that seems like they could sustain a, a really nice stable of of wrestlers uh, for that amount of time. And I wonder, I wonder how these contracts are gonna work because I, I would imagine that if these guys are allowed to work other companies or if they're allowed to like set their own schedules or if there's any sort of flexibility in this this seems like the perfect place for all of these people to work anybody that's not that doesn't have isn't in the main event in wwe i don't know why you would stay there yeah i mean especially when you think about the people that have 
signed with WWE in the last five years who aren't doing the things that they were doing when they got signed in the first place. I mean, fucking Gallows and Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and there's yeah, there's so many of those NXT call ups or the people that were around, people like Dolph Ziggler, I mean, Sami Zayn. There's so many of those mid card dudes that Ziggler's locked up. Um, Contract wise, yeah. yeah, okay. He's like he's such an interesting fantasy booking for this because like Dolph Ziggler's work rate, as far as like my conscious brain goes just like predates so much of this and he's been doing it at a top level in wwe for so long that like i would love to watch dolph ziggler work you know six months after his first independent match because i think it would be fucking tremendous like cody has gone in and and done good work with you know a good tool set, but Cody's biggest strength is his personality. Yeah. No one's yeah, no one's saying that he's the greatest wrestler of all time. Dolph, I would love to see him go in there. That. I that's the thing. Like we he's always been this underdog, right? He's got he's the topic of so much conversation because he's so talented. And you could see him in any other organization actually being talked about as the greatest wrestler. I, I have no doubt that if he was in New Japan or potentially All Elite or, or whatever, any if he was just fighting at like Bola every year, I, he could easily be in the top the top ten conversation for any given year. Yeah, uh, he's not now because he's having dumb matches and bad storylines and is not really gaining any traction anywhere. But I mean, he's also of a class of like so many other wrestlers, like Tyler Breeze and. Uh, Cesaro and all of these dudes that could easily be hopping out and doing great work. Elsewhere. I mean, yeah, you you got to think like even Breeze just going into a place like this and doing his NXT gimmick, mm-hmm. it would be so fucking over. Totally. I mean, he he went back to NXT for a match not long ago, and the crowd went bonkers. He was it was just like immediate, an immediate callback to all of the magic that that man has as a wrestler. Yeah. And it's just not being utilized or working the same way on the main roster. I like that they are already making it clear that the people that they do have, they have plans for them already. The fact that fucking Hangman Page is going to work with Pac. Yeah. And like, dude, I mean, I think that's, it's so smart to set up that rivalry right away. Those two guys are the work rate guys of that company now. Right, cuz yeah, cuz Page it's like it's like he looked so great in the tournament, but he is a lot like Dolph Ziggler in New Japan where it's just like you've got to you you've got fucking 12 people that are above you and not because they haven't earned it. Yeah. Like you you're just trying so hard to fucking get in uh in in what you can and everybody's watching knowing that you are capable of so much more and which i think is such a great testament to everything that new japan has done you know the fact that they are full at this point wwe is full at this point nxt is full at this point now you got this thing jericho is going to do so much good for this i feel like he has always been able to find 
the best lane for his personality what he did going into new japan and just being like fuck all of you like yeah like fuck japan fuck everybody here like i'm the fucking best and now he's got this company of young upstarts all he's got to do is just go in and talk the most shit he's gonna yeah he's gonna be such a good and you know i mean when we're talking about all elite i think uh you know blue sky rosy red glasses we're thinking about it as a new wcw and uh maybe if we're being cynical we're thinking about it in terms of tna right right those are the two ends of the spectrum and i think if you're if you're being critical you can see the things that happened in tna when they just hired a bunch of old washed up stars and let them run the show and it wasn't interesting it wasn't new it wasn't exciting i think in this case having chris jericho be in that position is so perfect because he's not old and washed up he's an old star with huge name recognition he gives this company a ton of credibility but he also has been doing some of the best work of his career in the past three or four years. Right, yeah, because he's not just going in and, and saying, like, you know me. Right. It's like, yeah, you know me, and I'm still the fucking best. I'm still fucking shit up everywhere I go. That's his whole thing now It's just fuck shit up. And it's so interesting, and, yeah, it, I think it breathes so much life into this company and it forces people to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, look at that Naito match. Yeah, the nighttime match was so good. Oh, fuck. It was so good. It was so much fun. Um It was scary. There were scary moments in that match. Yeah. And I just like I I didn't even though he's been like tearing it up, I didn't have the highest expectations for it because I thought their first match was like good but it was a little sure. sloppy. It felt like there were maybe some uh communication errors as it was happening but this one they either figured out how to communicate or they figured out a better way to work around it everything was fucking crisp like i came away from that we all did just like man jericho's stake for the greatest of all time is being made time and again and fucking in the past five six years yeah he's done so much work done so many different things to make that just like i mean you look at look at Shawn michaels and you know it's incredible to go from the rockers to the beginning of the heartbreak kit to you know going into this uh this first second title runs where he's uh you know just proving that he's got an ability to work with so many people to carry a company even even if it's not you know at the level that hogan did it and i just glossed over the fucking ladder match oh my god that ladder match and then doing degeneration x Mm -hmm. leaving for four years, coming back and having a series of incredible, uh, you know, street fights, fucking Elimination Chamber, doing his work with Jericho, fucking leaving on, uh, you know, a string of he retires Ric Flair. He has one of the best matches of all time against The Undertaker. Then he has a retirement match against The Undertaker the next year. 
that it's it you know it's a it's a resume that like you can't fuck with but at the same time think about the fucking evolutions of chris jericho fucking doing doing what he does in mexico japan going to wcw and fucking fighting his way to the top fucking breakfast is served jamie chris jericho or Shawn michaels What do you mean? You got nothing. It's fine. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for biscuits. I'm gonna take a couple. Of you should take more than a couple of them. You made yeah, them. Yeah, you should take them all except for a couple. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. The only steak that I got for Shawn Michaels over Chris Jericho at this point is that I got a Shawn Michaels tattoo. But I'll get a Chris Jericho tattoo just for you, babe. <laughs> but that's it, though, right? Like, the the Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho comparison, I think, is a very fair one at this point. Yeah. I think that's where Jericho is in the, uh, rank, the all-time rankings, right? He's right on that Shawn Michaels level. He never... He never is the the main event he's never the guy that carries the company right but the work that he does throughout his career has so many fucking variations so many differences that and, and just so many rewrites like fuck you know what i said like a couple weeks ago it's like fucking that dude is is like tom waits yeah you know what he is is he's fucking, he's David Bowie. Mm. That's even, yeah, I think that's even more apt, right? Fucking, so David Bowie is doing Diamond Dogs tour. You know, it's kind of the like a further evolution of like a Ziggy Stardust type of uh, uh, persona. It's big, it's rock music. Eight fucking months later, he's doing... Young Americans. He made a fucking Philly soul record. Sure. And then he goes and does fucking Eno shit. Then he produces uh, two Icky Pop records. Um, and then he makes uh, Let's Dance. And then he makes Dancing in the Street with Mick Jagger. But then he makes sad old guy dying music when he's about to die. Jericho's life will be long and will continue. But... Yeah, you know, the the way that that guy can fucking rework himself, find a lane, find a way to stay relevant through, goddamn, 25 years. And it's not that he's only relevant. Like, he's putting... Some of the feuds that he's been in in the past three, four years... I mean, I think the Kevin Steen, or uh, Kevin Owens, the best friend's angle was like where i think we all started to kind of turn our heads and and get interested and like start giving him the credit that he's doing some great work and watching that happen from then till now he's only been doing good work nothing for for those past few years has been lackluster in any in any way even his goofy cruise was so fun and game-changing and interesting wrestling lest we forget Fozzie 
lest we obviously Fozzie. Lest we forget. Um Yeah. It's it's wild. He's um he's gonna I think he's gonna be in a position maybe for the first time where he's like given like full on reign over a company and, and terrorizing a company and being representative of something that, um, you know, he's always had to f- swing up sure. to achieve. Yeah, swinging downward. Jericho swinging down, punching down is a really interesting concept because, like, he came into New Japan to be a shit stirrer, right? He came in to disrupt things. But he's also, while there's recognition there, it's not like he has full reign, right? It's not like he's the one in charge he still has to whatever he's doing has to kind of conform to new japan's plans right it's the same when he you know feuds with cm punk where he comes back so that he can be that person for punk not for the wwe Mm -hmm. just for cm punk as a champion but now this is like we've got we've got the young bucks and and Cody and maybe Kenny. And it, it'll be interesting, I guess, to see how that plays. Like, are they the are they the baby faces of it? Or are they like kind of, oh, we're in charge here. We run this show. So where's Jericho fit into all of that? Yeah, I, I think watching the personas of these people who at this point are almost above heel and face personas, right? Because they are are changing wrestling outside of wrestling in so many ways. Uh, you know, the Bullet Club ceased having uh, any classic wrestling, uh, I don't know, existence of years ago. You know, once they became too cool and too game-changing, it didn't matter if they were heels or faces. The storylines didn't matter at all anymore. It's all about the outside of the outside of the ring storylines. Well, I think that's like one of the intentions of um of All Elite is that we're not going to work this mm-hmm. the same way. Um obviously there's no matter no matter what, no matter how the fans are going to react to things, you know, even if it's in direct opposition of the way that you're supposed to react to the story that's presented wrestling is always going to be a morality play sure so i guess it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see like how that dynamic works just on the whole because yes it might not be faces versus heels but somebody's going to have to be uh meaner to the other person <laughs> yeah totally and, well and, and that's what's been the most interesting about a lot of this as of late because what the sto- the storylines have not just been in ring heel versus face it's been much more based on how are the business dealings going to work and how are these matches going to represent this very very insider information knowledge that we all have we're thinking about these matches in terms of dirt sheets rather than in terms of in ring stuff or maybe not even dirt sheets like we're, they're playing these matches based off of that i think is what it is you know it's it's interesting i guess like something that i've been thinking about uh over the past few days is you know i'm watching the wire with 
Jay right now. And there's such an interesting aspect to that show. One, watching it with someone who's never seen it before and being trying trying my best to just, you know, the the scope of that show is so enormous and watching it with um someone who's who's in there for the first time who's I mean for her I think like halfway through the first season is when she really started to get into it sure. because it you're introduced to so many people and it's hard to keep track of who's who and and it's like you get the big people but who are these other ones that they're talking about and like oh okay so that's the dude that stringer was talking about like 10 minutes ago so being i guess in the in the position of of wanting to do what you can to just be like okay so here is uh here's someone that you might want to pay attention Uh to you know he's this person um but also, you know, you watch so many people who are doing good and bad things. And it's like, you think about who your favorite characters are on that show. And for me, it's the ones that are the most consistent. It's like, I love Omar because he doesn't do anything that's not in his, like, just just his sense of of what is right and wrong and the way that he lives and i also love bodie just as much because it's like well bodie's fucking figuring it out and he's smart he's also stupid Mm -hmm. and i love kima because she's so consistent and she's but she does like bad cop things too she does but I mean, all three of those characters have very specific driving forces behind each of them, and they never stray from those. It might t- they might turn into bad guys or good guys based on the situations they're put in, but you can see where they're all coming from, and they all have this very specific individual driving force for each of them. And that, and you're right, they stay consistent throughout. And it's like you are watching a, sh- a, th- a story to a piece of storytelling and you're investing in you know wanting the bad guys to get caught but also wanting them to win in certain places mm-hmm. wanting some to get their comeuppance wanting some to fucking get tossed in the trash no matter which side of the fence they're on but it's just a matter of like who's consistent who's doing something that i find interesting who's doing something that i can think about on a on a level that's deeper than what they're giving me and you got to think that that is a good way to go about this type of reality that they're setting up in all elite where it's just like you know that everybody who's watching this just wants to invest as much as they possibly can. So let's let's ditch some of the preconceived notions. Just give me good fucking stories. Yeah. I can root for more than one person. 
I don't have to be on one side of good or bad. Just fucking, there's plate. Just make it consistent. Just make it good. Give me something to invest in consistently. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what the story has been for such a long time with these, with the elite, with Cody, with the Bucks. I think, I mean, the Bucks haven't had a real storyline in inside wrestling in a very long time. Right. Like they just show up and have the funnest, goofiest, great wrestling matches, and I think that what the storylines have been has been. It's been being the elite, you know. It's been their YouTube sh- channel. It's been their YouTube shows. It's been the build up to All In. That all of that adding together, turning itself into a huge story of wrestling. Like that show was not. There was no. There were no real storylines going into it. But it was all based on like, are they going to be able to pull this off? Who are they going to be able to get there? Right. Are these going to be good matches? And I think that the you know the storyline of All Elite is. We want something that it doesn't have to compete, but we want it there on a level that drives one to do better, and we want this one to do better. They don't even have to touch each other. We all just want the same thing, which is to be entertained. Sure. Yeah, I mean... I mean, honestly, like th- there might be there might be a strategy that comes out of this for WWE to be like, you know what? Let's like fuck it. Let's turn the volume up on this thing that is nowhere near what All Elite is doing. Like All Elite is, you know, maybe they're they're bringing in the meta narrative, you know, at a level of ten. Maybe WWE is like, actually, let's. Let's bring that down. We're not going to compete with them at that level. We're going to we're going to like brand ourselves on doing this thing. But let's be consistent with it. Cuz that's where that's where the problem I think is with WWE is that they just they they forget what story they're telling in the middle of it so often and that's what's so frustrating here. Yeah, that's very true. So much of WWE storytelling and so much of of where it is fragile is the fact that it's their week to week process turns into do or die every week where it's so short-sighted. I think we become fairly short-sighted because of it because like, you know, this week in WWE wrestling, I'm feeling great about wrestling, right? Oh, fuck, everything right. is awesome. WWE is the best Two weeks ago, we were complaining about how it's shitty and boring and stale. Mm-hmm. It, we're just as guilty as they are of it, but I think that that's something that they certainly need to work on in in putting things together in a consistent manner. Whether it's a good product consistently, I think more so than that, they need to be putting stories together consistently, and ca- they need to be building characters consistently. Right? Because I mean, I'm not looking at I'm not looking at all elite and thinking like, oh. I just I I just want Becky to go in there. Right, right. I want Becky to do the fucking best that she can in WWE. And I think that's even true for someone like Daniel Bryan. Daniel is doing such great work and it's good for WWE. Go to somebody like Gallows and Anderson. Go to somebody like, you know, I know that Almas is or I'm hearing that Almas isn't too happy. If he's unhappy, if they're not going to, like, pull the trigger on him, then, yeah, I want him to go. I want him to go somewhere where he can do the best that he can. Yeah, giving an option for that. 
And I think you're right. I think it's going to be tough to watch to not do the direct comparison all the time, to not do that WCW versus WWF thing. But I think that's a really good point that that shouldn't be the lens by which we're viewing it all of the time. I mean, it, we see Neville go over there, I think, is like the thing that makes it compared, right? But right. Neville it was one of those wrestlers that we knew was a top guy that was never going to get top guy billing. There's plenty of people like that in the WWE. I mean, I think that w- we're going to go in we're going to go into this situation that we haven't experienced in a really long time. The idea that WWE might have, you know, network television competition from a different wrestling company. And we're going to go back to okay, cool. Remember when it was WWF versus WCW because that time was awesome. We all loved it. The ratings war, you know, it's been talked about to death. And, and to, you know, to an, a certain extent, we're, we're still, I mean, I listen to Eric Bischoff talk every week. I listen to Bruce Pritchard talk every week. Mm-hmm. So much of that is just, here's what was going on on the other channel. And... I mean, I'm still, still to a certain extent, like that, that thinking that I had, like, you know, back at the fucking lunch table in sixth grade with Zach Shulman, just being like, oh, WCW sucks. How can you even watch that? Like, look at their turnbuckles. They look fucking terrible. It's the lamest uh-huh. shit ever. I mean, that's that still permeates to a certain extent. That's still like my gut reaction to the idea of competition happening here. But I think that they're going it's it's going to play out so differently that, you know, that initial urge to just do what you're familiar with. It's not going to last very long. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think if if we fall into that, we as as wrestling fans as a whole or we i mean if they fall into that mentality also i think that a great disservice would be would be happening to the potential of these two semi-competing brands i mean yeah it i i don't i don't foresee you know anything coming from all elite that's you know going in with the mindset of like oh we're gonna right they're not you know cody is not talking right now about how he can't wait to shut down vince mcmahon Um, and he's always been super like cordial about the wwe even that even though they've stole his they stole his name yeah he's still very he's always talking in like a fairly high regard about the company saying that they don't have any beef you know well i mean it's like you go back for so so long uh, just listening to people talk about the attitude era the monday night wars and in the narrative is is that the competition made everything better and i mean i just remember watching like those 24 sevens not the 24 sevens the uh round table yeah which fucking they're the best uh, shout out to fucking Mean Gene. Yeah, truly. That one affected me. Really? That, yeah, that one got to me. 
It's one of, I mean, like, he is one of the through lines of all of wrestling for the past 40 years. You all fucking hung out with him. We hung out with him. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. He really? was so there. Just standing next to Mean Gene right. was powerful. And he was he was just Mean Gene about it. He was right? so Mean Gene about it. He was, like, flirting. Yeah. And, you know. That's what they keep talking about. As is, You know, he's married for fucking 40 years, but he was out with the boys all the time. I mean, I don't know if you listen to Pritchard and Bischoff, but they both did Mean Gene episodes that sure. are just really, really heartfelt. And I can't remember which one of them said it, but, you know, the quote of uh, of of one of them just saying that Gene liked to go out and just, like, keep the muscles going. Just sure. He just loved to flirt just because he, he liked being good at it. Sure. But it was innocent enough. Totally. And like, yeah. And he, when just hanging out with him and watching that happen was totally just like his persona as a human, you know, like Shoemaker talks often about how Hulk Hogan and Terry Bollea are the same person at this point. There's not a different persona. He's just like bled to, it's all bled together. I think there was something for sure about that. Mean Gene wise, where it's just like, this guy is just an announcer talking to us right now. He's the way he's talking is like with quips and isms. And he's like, projecting while he speaks and like watching him flirt while he's doing that was like so funny because it's so harmless it's like not there's nothing like malicious or right or aggressive or misogynistic about it it's like oh no he's just this dude's just flirting he's just a yeah he's just a he's just a fucking he's a cute he's old a man cute flirt you remember that guy you remember that guy that used to come in the jimmy john's that uh lived above yeah yeah Pete? that old guy yeah yeah I remember, like, you know, I, I thought that that was, like, so cute. And then uh, uh, Kyle Scaturo, uh, his girlfriend lives above Jimmy John's in an apartment there. Oh, like adjacent to him? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, yo, is, is Pete still around? And and she's like, yeah, he, 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 uh, he let me know, like, if you ever needed, like, help with anything like he helped me like you know move a couple things one time i was like he's a sweet guy and she's like yeah he's a little bit much and that light bulb going off and just like oh he's oh a creep. yeah he's a creep but yeah i i i like the the fact that you know 76 year old gene okerlin was just a flirt just a, yeah just a nice old flirt you know going back to gene and and those round tables uh just even after the fact listening to people like Mick Foley just talk about guys the fact that we had something to compete against something to be better than just did did so much good for everybody yeah i i, I specifically Mick Foley with he had so much i mean hearing how heartbroken he was about uh Tony Schiavone? Yeah, about Dude, the I Schiavone still fucking moment. don't like Tony Schiavone for that. Yeah, totally. It, it's like, that's such a dick move, but it's really not. Like, that makes so much sense. It's such a smart thing to try. Right. Like, I, I would love to see that happen now. Uh, I think that's, like, hilarious. Dude, could you imagine if fucking Michael Cole started reading results for It would be incredible. Oh, my God. What if it's all a work? What if it's all a fucking work? 
I'm, that's why wrestling's the best, dude. I mean, I, we're going to see something incredibly shocking happen at some point. Someone's yeah. going to go from All Elite over to WWE or vice versa. And there's there's going to be, like, we have the options for invasion angles now. Someone from NXT is going to show up. Someone's going to break a contract. It, we're going to see that. And it's going to be really fucking cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't wait. Like, Dude, I mean, fucking, you, you think about the fact that, that you came over and we had three different shows to talk about that weren't Monday Night Raw, weren't SmackDown, weren't the build to the Royal Rumble. There's like, it's, it's just so much excitement and yeah, just so much fodder, so much stuff to chew on. Yeah. There's a lot to chew on. That's really what it is. There's, I think thinking of wrestling as a cohesive unit right now is a very fun thing to do because everything's playing with each other right now. Everything's intermingling and intertwining. Yeah. And you know, like that press conference was going on while I was at work and I'm just seriously sitting there with my laptop on behind the bar with Twitter, just updating. (laughs) I'm following a fucking hashtag to see what's going on. Yeah. I, when, when that started, uh, Aaron texted me and he was like, holy shit. I forget what it was even about, but he texted me saying like, can can you even believe this? And I turned it on. And from that, I watched for like a half hour, watched the actual press conference. and just didn't do any, any work during that time. Just sat there glued to this press conference that was present. It was cool because it was presented like a wrestling event. There was music that came on. There were like surprises happening. They ended the show. And then all of a sudden Jericho comes out. It was like, just masterfully masterfully done for something as silly and benign as a press conference yeah fucking yeah exciting times we got the royal rumble to look forward to and uh takeover to look forward to and then yeah just like fucking watching that news go down so much excitement good to see you this week it's good to see you uh thank you all out there for for listening to us talk about all of our exciting adventures and, you know, adventures in, in eating biscuits, which were brought to us. Oh, man, Mid those show, biscuits were good. Fucking end of the wire season two. Get to start season three. Soon. It's the best season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, hey, uh, I like being able to do this because I get to hang out with my friend Scott. We hope that you're enjoying it, too. Tell a friend about it. Subscribe to it. All of that good stuff. Uh, I know that we'll, we'll, I keep saying that we'll be back next week. And I know that we don't always follow through, but <laughs> we do our best. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's nice to take a week off if you're not feeling human. Because uh, then all of a sudden you get to talk about a million things at once. But the plan is next week. If it's not, it's a week after that. Either way, we'll be here. And uh, we hope to have you with us for 32. Oh, my God. Oh, we're we're catching up. We're all 32 years old. This Call podcast is 32 episodes old. Call us old. the mailman of wrestling podcasts. Magic Johnson. We'll see you then. Thanks, folks. I've searched the holy book. Tried to unravel the mystery of Jesus Christ the Savior I read
read the poets and the analysts Search through the books on human behavior I don't know why and I don't know how But she's nobody's baby now I loved her then and I guess I love her still Hers is the face I see when a certain mood moves in Blood and skin A wild feral stare Her dark hair Her winter lips As cold as stone Nobody's baby now 